0: When it comes to things that give you a massive headache as a pastor, there's no bigger, mess than the music that you play? Is it traditional? Is it contemporary? Is it modern? Is it a mix of all of those? Are these people happy with it? Are those people not happy with it? And then the songs that you sing and how you sing them. Do you do hymns? Do you do hymns in a modern way? Do you do the new songs that these people like or the old songs that those people like? Or the people when you do the old songs, these people don't like it. But when you do the new songs, these people hate it. And it's just a mess. And this is why so many churches have just decided we're going to do our thing. And some people have chosen to go fully modern and some people have chosen to go fully traditional. And some people have chose to be in the middle of some kind of contemporary model or whatever, but it has always been an issue. And this goes all the way back to what was known as the worship wars in the 80s, 90s, and even really in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, where churches that were established and had kind of a traditional look and feel, churches all kind of looked the same in the 50s and 60s and 70s. You start seeing these mega churches Come across, uh, come come on the scene, and the music started to change as Maranatha music started to be really influential, and then later Hillsong, and so there started to be conflicts because all of a sudden, what used to be kind of known—the hymns that were a couple hundred years old—were now being replaced by these new worship songs, and it caused a bit of a riff in the church community. And I think largely a lot of churches now have really solved this problem by just deciding what they're going to sing and how they're going to sing it. And if you don't like it, you can go to the church down the street, that's totally fine. That's the approach that most churches have taken. But there is something really interesting going on. This article that came out from Christianity Today about a recent study that shows that worship songs, no matter what church sings them, Worship songs, when they come out, are only lasting a few years. They don't have that long of a shelf life, and how long they last is diminishing over time. So, when a worship song might have used to last for 30 years, that same worship song, if it were released today, would only last for about three years. And what I mean by last is I mean to say that churches sing them for about three years max. After that, the song kind of gets old and people move on. So let's dive into it because there's a lot here, and I wanna talk about this because even though here at Preaching Donkey, we mainly talk about sermon prep and delivery, the music that is sung right before you get up to preach or right after you step down from preaching or both, sets the tone and the mood for your sermon. So it's really important to make sure that we understand the dynamic of what's going on here. So we're gonna dive into this article. If you're new with me, my name is Lane, this is Preaching Donkey. We talk about sermon prep, sermon delivery, all of that kind of stuff, and a little bit of church leadership from time to time. I wanna give you something for free, just for listening today or watching, if you're here on YouTube. You can go to preachingdonkey.com 21 days, pick up my free 21 day guide to creating killer sermons. It's just a three step, three-week process that will walk you through how to create and deliver a life-changing, compelling message. So whether you are new to preaching or you've been doing it for a long time, I think there's something in there for you. It's totally free. It's my gift to you, preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. So the article is called, We've No Less Days to Sing God's Praise, line taken from Amazing Grace, the great hymn, but new worship songs only last a few years. This is by Daniel Silliman, churches across the U.S. and Canada saying, Refiners Fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy for a full decade after Vineyard Worship Pastor Brian Dorkson released it in 1990. Overcome, written by megachurch worship leader John Egan in 2007, was just as popular. But North American churches only saying, Worthy of honor and glory, worthy of all our praise, you overcame for about three years. Worship songs don't last as long as they used to. The average lifespan of a widely sung worship song is about a third of what it was 30 years ago, according to a study that will be published in the magazine Worship Leader in January. So 30 years ago, 1990, a song would last 10 years. Now it only lasts about three. For the study, Mike Tapper, a religious professor at Southern Wesleyan University, brought together two data Analysis, two data analysts, and two worship ministers to look at decades of records from Christian. Copyright Licensing International, CCLI. We're all familiar with them. We have to pay them every year. It's a lot of fun. The licensing organization that provides copyright coverage for about 160,000 churches in North America and receives rotating reports on the worship music that is sung in those churches, tracking about 10,000 congregations at a time. CCLI's data is actually really interesting to look at. You can go on and look at every week, what is the number one so- sung song this week and the number two and the number three. They literally have that data on just about every church in the US. Looking at the top songs uh, at those churches from 1988 to 2020, the researchers were able to identify a common life cycle for popular worship music, Tapper told CT. A song typically appears on the charts, rises, peaks and then fades away as worship teams drop it from their Sunday morning set list. But the average arc of a worship song's popularity has dramatically shortened from 10 to 12 years to a mere 3 to 4. The researchers don't know why. I have some ideas. We'll get into that in a minute. I'd love to hear from you in the comments what you think. Mark Jolikwer, who worked on the study, said the data confirmed what many music ministers have felt intuitively. It matches his experience as a Wesleyan worship pastor in New Brunswick, Canada. I got three emails from people in my church this week saying, have you seen this new song? He said, my pastor isn't saying I need the latest and greatest worship song this week, but at the same time, a song seems stale and it seems stale more quickly than it used to. The increasing speed of song turnover seems connected in some ways to changing music styles. Jolliquarter said, the durable verse chorus verse model for a church song has given way to music like Elevation Worship and Maverick City's 2021. 2021 2021 release, Gyra, which has verses that sound like choruses followed by actual choruses followed by multiple bridges, three or more, depending on who's performing. Gyra is a juggernaut of a song, according to JolliQuarr, and it's also an example of musical innovations that rapidly age. Songs have always changed, JolliQuarr said, but we want songs to change faster now. It's the culture. I think that's the key, we'll get to that in a second. It's the soup we're swimming in, he says. Scholars who study Christian music, however, say it's probably not the songs themselves that are driving the change, but the way the music is distributed. In the 90s, worship leaders learned of new songs at conferences. Then they taught uh, taught a song to their congregations by playing it three weeks in a row, skipping a week, playing it again the following Sunday, and then putting it into regular rotation. It might have stayed in rotation for a dozen years. Now worship leaders learn of new music when it comes out on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, iTunes, Pandora, and YouTube. Many Christians will stream a new song for weeks before they hear it in church, and the whole process moves at a different speed. It's tied to mechanisms of how people are discovering music and how American consumption patterns are changing," said Leah Payne, a theology professor at Portland Seminary who is writing a history of contemporary Christian music. This is worship that is sensitive to consumption patterns. I'm gonna stop there for just a second because I think there's a whole lot to be said about this right here, that the culture is moving at this rapid pace with every piece of media that we have. 30 years ago when Refiners Fire came out in 1990, nobody had smartphones, the internet internet was barely available, it was slow and dial up, it was just you weren't exposed to as many things as quickly. You had cable TV if you had that, if not you had eight or nine, 10 channels coming through an antenna and what was on was on, and that was the culture in which you lived. And back then, it was relatively still new to introduce songs that weren't 200 years old to a congregation. So if I've been singing uh, Because He Lives the entire time I've been in church, and now you introduce Refiners Fire, well, I guess we'll sing this for another 200 years, right? But that obviously doesn't happen there's some staying power with some of those old hymns and these songs cycle through quite a bit and i've heard people say well that's because the hymns have a lot of depth and the new songs don't i don't agree with that as a carte blanche statement i think there are some hymns that are incredibly rich and deep and some new music that is shallow and kind of flighty, and I think the opposite is true as well. I think if you look back objectively at some of the old hymns that we know and love, some of those you could say are shallow, and some of the new music you could say is deep and rich and amazing. So I don't think the age of the music has anything to do with whether or not it's going to stand the test of time. I think some songs do and some t- some songs don't, but I think when it comes to what's ha- what has been released into this modern age, It's a different context and people have much shorter attention spans and much shorter. We we need like a new hit, like we need a new dopamine hit, like a new feeling when we sing a new song. And I think that is just the product of the culture in which we live. So as you're selecting songs and as you're working through this, if you're thinking like missionaries. If you were to go into a culture that you knew nothing about and you were to say, here's what you need to do because we've always done this, regardless of what these people respond to, it would be ill-advised, right? That would not be the way to behave like a missionary. But we do the same things when we say, no, we like this song, so even if you're tired of it, we're going to sing it for the next 10 years because we like it. I think it's much the same. If I, I think that's why the scriptures talk about, let's sing a new song to the Lord. I think there's something about a new and fresh expression of praise to God and celebration of who he is that is really refreshing to people. And we can jump onto a song and we can latch onto it and it can be amazing for a season And then it begins to lose some of that edge that it has, and that's normal, and it's the way things go. So when those songs are replaced with new and fresh expressions of praise to God, and and joy and celebration of who He is and what He's done in our lives, that's awesome. And I think it should be celebrated. So I don't see this as some kind of bad thing. I I really don't. I don't want to sing Refiner's Fire or Celebrate Jesus Celebrate or My Life is in You, Lord. Like those were songs that were great for the time that they were released in the early 90s or late 80s or whenever they came out. But we want to sing something different now, and that's OK. And the cool thing is, is we have all these classic hymns that have stood the test of time that are a couple hundred years old that we still sing. And that's awesome, too. Like, I love it when a, an old hymn is brought back into the rotation and we get to experience that all over again. Let me give you an example. Right now, as I record this, it's the Christmas season. There is nothing that hits like Oh Holy Night. There's just nothing like it all oh, holy night well performed well sung takes me to a, an absolute another place it is an amazing work of art and i have no idea how old it is several hundred years old it's amazing amazing song it is well with my soul again incredible rich song so there's songs that stand the test of time There's modern songs that just don't have that history. Maybe they're just as good. Maybe they're not. Who knows? But they just don't have that same history. And we replace them with other new songs. So my encouragement to you as pastors is be open to the mainstays that have stood the test of time that are always in rotation and then continuing to add new and rich songs and expressions of praise to God and celebration for who he is. I'm gonna link this article in the show notes and in the description below. I'd love to hear what you think about this. I know worship, there's a lot of opinions and a lot of people who have very strong opinions, so I can't wait to hear from you in the comments. Let me know what you think below. Be sure to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. leave your review over on the podcast player wherever you are. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for hanging out with me on this Thursday. I'll see you next time at the Preaching Donkey Podcast.